as entrepreneurs, we all want to make a huge difference. And, you know, there's so many different ways that we can add value to our clients and do well by doing well. But I've got somebody, uh, a very young entrepreneur who is making a huge impact and a big difference uh, that I met at Joe Polish's uh, Genius Network uh, uh, group. And he's kind of taken it by storm here. And it's not that often a new member comes in and is able to do that. And, and he's a, the reason is he's doing something that most of us as entrepreneurs aren't doing. He's doing a lot of self-assessment on what's making entrepreneurs, his fellow entrepreneurs like you and I, more successful. But he's doing something a little bit more. He's actually writing about it. And when I say writing about it, he's really writing about it. He's the number one writer on Medium, which is a, one of the major platforms out there. He's got millions of people reading his stuff. And uh, matter of fact, uh, when I walked out of Joe's, book, uh, Joe's uh, meeting, uh, the first time I had the opportunity to meet Ben Hardy, uh, I picked up his book, Willpower, and read it on the flight back. I gotta tell you, it blew me away. Well, I'd like to say I was the only one, but he's, you know, he's a best-selling author. But even more important, Joe Polish, Dan Solid, and Michael Hyatt bought over, you know, 3,000 copies of this. So, you know, this is, I wanted, I grabbed it, I said, Ben, you know, and he's in real big demand. So I go, Ben, I need you just for a few minutes because I want to share you with our audience because you're going to make such a huge difference. So. You don't want to miss this. I am John Bowen. You're at AES Nation. It's all about accelerating entrepreneurial success. And we're just about ready to do it. So hang in there and join us. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep. Think bold. Drive hard. Watch yourself or beyond your dreams. AESNation.com. Excited to have you join us here today. And uh, you're doing some remarkable work. So th uh, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, share your insights with our audience. Yeah, John, I'm a huge fan of yours. So it's a pleasure. <laughs> Seriously, I love being here with you, my Well, you know, it's, you know it's, it's so much fun, you know, fellow entrepreneurs making a difference. And, you know, you've kind of come on a storm, uh, Ben. You know, I, I didn't know who you are were until the Genius Network, and then all of a sudden I see you everywhere. <laughs> and you know, even more importantly, it's great stuff. And uh, maybe give a little backstory before we go into some of the life lessons that you've learned, you know, as a very successful entrepreneur, as well as, uh, you know, some of the lessons that you're kind of chronicle and you're seeing as you're studying this as well. Yeah, so just a, you know, a quick breakdown of kind of my journey. Um, I came from a very abusive background. Not necessarily that I was abused, but it was a really bad uh, environment that I came from. My father was, you know, addicted to pretty heavy drugs after the divorce of my parents. I, bar I barely ended up graduating from high school because there was just no stability in my life. And um, about a year after high school, I was 19 years old, I was living at my cousin's house. And I, I detail this story and willpower doesn't work. But um, I was living at my cousin's house, sleeping on his love stack. My diet consisted of Mountain Dew, Little Caesars pizza, and I played World of Warcraft for, for about 12 to 15 hours a day. Um, I didn't have a job and I was just very 
depressed and sad. Um, and I was basically the product of a really broken environment. There's a really cool concept in psychology called transitional character. A transitional character, I'm actually going to read you the definition because it's, it's something that I'm guessing a lot of your audience is. But the transitional character is someone who in a single generation changes the entire course of their lineage. Um, the individuals who grew up in an abusive or emotionally, emotionally destructive environment and who find a way to like basically take the, the terrible stuff from their environment and like not pass that on to the ne next generation. So basically this is like a generational breaking human being. Um, they break the mold, they review, you know, so, you know, what I like is when someone comes from a really bad background and, and then just tra transitions in a huge way. And that was kind of what I wanted to write about with willpower doesn't work. And that's what happened to me. But how I did that is, is I ended up getting into fitness. Uh, I started running and when I was out running, I allowed myself some time to kind of process what had happened in my life, you know, from the divorce of my parents at age 11 to like, you know, there was a lot of negative events that happened through my high school, you know, time. And while running and being alone, I actually allowed myself to think about it and think about my future and like get out of the world of Warcraft and kind of start to think about my life. Um, I ended up serving a humanitarian mission for my church and it was during that time that I started reading stuff like Stephen Covey, self-improvement, you know, a lot of philosophy, psychology, religion, spirituality. And importantly, during that time, I started writing in my journal. And I just, I have stacks and stacks of journals and we'll talk about journaling, you know, later in this episode. But during that time, I decided I wanted to study psychology. I wanted to study human change. I wanted to become a writer. And I got home from that experience in 2010. And so basically from 2010 till now, I've been studying psychology. I'm almost done with my PhD in psychology. We got married. Um, I got married to my wife. And um, in 2015, something super pivotal happened. And that was, it was right at the beginning of my PhD program. And my wife and I became foster parents of three kids, um, siblings. And that experience kind of shook my world. And it, interestingly, it was a catalyst to my success. Like a lot of people would think, you know, if you take on these three kids, all your time's gonna get sucked up. But I realized very quickly that like, a lot of people think, you know, and this is one of the things I talk about in willpower, but a lot of people think that who you are is based on like, purely based on choice. But what I found is that who you are in a lot of ways is based on the situation you're in. And when I had this new situation where I had this enormous amount of responsibility heaped upon me, I became a foster parent, I was in school, that, newfound responsibility gave me a ton of motivation. Um, so, you know, and I talk about this in what power doesn't work, but motivation is very situational. You know, there's a concept basically called hysteric strength, but you've probably heard the story of like someone who, whose truck fell on their kid and like they were able to lift their car, like doing crazy things. The situation kind of called upon them to do something different. That's basically what happened to me when I became a foster parent and was in my school. I mean, it just led me to finally start writing because I'd wanted to be a writer since 2010 and basically done nothing about it until 2015 when that happened. And then, um, but I'd been studying and writing in my journal. So I knew how to write and I knew how to think and stuff. And so I started writing in 2015, um, took an online course that taught me how to write headlines, taught me how to like pitch articles onto places like Huffington Post. And then I just started writing and I found medium.com and 
you know, in less than a year, I was the top writer on the website. And basically since then, I've just been writing ever since. No, and, and, and I can vouch for you that you have been writing ever since. And, uh, you know, the quantity, I, we do a lot in our group. And uh, I'm, I'm more of an author. I separate those two components that uh, I've got a team of writers working with me. And so I have a, a, uh, a great appreciation for what you're doing, Ben, and, and the quality of what you're doing. And one of the things I want to go to the uh, book you wrote, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But I one of, one of the things that just really really resonated with me. You know, I've been an entrepreneur, multiple companies. I've been in large companies. I've had the corner office. I've had this and that. And and one of the things you talk about so much in your book, and it's something people, fellow entrepreneurs talk about, but they don't really, they're not as conscious about it. And it's that environment, you know, how important the environment is that they find themselves. And, you know, and this is kind of, you know, the big picture. And maybe you could touch on that because, you know, that was a big lesson uh, for you in your own personal situation and, and the fellow entrepreneurs that you've had the privilege of uh, working with and, you know, playing with. Yeah, so this is kind of a fundamental, this goes to like really the root of how people change. You know, so if you've read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and if you've read enough self-improvement, you know, the concept comes up over and over and over again that you must change from the inside out. And although that's true, um, very few of those books actually explain how it works. You know what I mean? So they say you have to like, you know, change your paradigm, but then you, you know, change your environment. You know, you basically the inside becomes the outside, but they don't really explain how it works. It's kind of mystical. Um, and really from a psychological standpoint, people are actually more likely to change from the outside in. Um, that's where the environment shapes you, you know, and, you know, that doesn't mean you can't be intentional. And actually my, my, my whole book is about being proactive and intentional, but it's about also being aware that your environment is influencing and changing you. And so the smartest people in the world actually proactively shape their environment. Um, so there's a quote from Marshall Goldsmith. He's, you know, a famous author and whatnot. Uh, yeah, one of the top coaches in the yeah, yeah. he's brilliant. You know, yeah, and he wrote no. a book called he wrote a book called Triggers, and in that book he said, if you do not create and control your environment, your environment creates and controls you. And you know, he's a psychologist by profession. He studies, you know, what influences motivation and behavior, and it's you know more than more than not, it's actually situational factors. Um, but these are the things that in Western society we totally downplay because we're highly individualistic. We, we, very, we very much focus on ourselves and we downplay the influences around us. Um, and so in the book, I specifically talk about the fact that, you know, the most successful people in the world, they, they purposefully create environments to shield themselves from a, lot of, from a lot of stuff, you know? So from a willpower perspective, willpower disappears with the more stimuli coming at you, with the more options, the more choices. And so for most people, First thing in the morning, they pull out their phone and immediately they're just putting information in their head and they're having to make choices. We make way more choices right now than we've ever made before. And a different def definition of willpower is decision fatigue. It, this is one of the reasons why people like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and stuff wear the same clothes every day is because they don't wanna make dumb decisions because they know that it, they would rather use their energy and resources on better things. Um, and so there's a book called The Paradox of Choice. And it basically means that like the more choices you have, the less quality those decisions become. 
And so what you want to do is you want to create an environment that essentially shields you from a lot of the noise so that you can focus on the signal. You want to remove options. Uh, that's how you create and control your environment. And so you can, you know, you can do that in really simple ways. Like a really easy way is just first thing in the morning, like don't look at your phone, even don't even have it near you. You know what I mean? Like, and give yourself the space and time to think. Um, but you can apply this strategy in really powerful ways. And, you know, John talked about how you and I met at Genius Network. Like when you put yourself into a really amazing environment where you're surrounded by people who are rock stars, who are highly motivated, who are, who are collaborative, when you put yourself in that environment, it changes you. And so basically, rather than just saying that you change from the inside out, what I'm saying is, is actually, yes, you change from the inside out, but you have to do that actually by changing from the outside in. And what you do is, is you make decisions about what type of environments you want to, to influence you and shape you and alter you. That's why Jim Rohn said, you're the product of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you're intentional, you actually just decide who, who are those five people who are going to influence you. Um, Zig Ziglar said, you know, your input shapes your outlook and your outlook shapes your output and your output, you know, determines your success in life. So, yeah, this, this book, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say this is so powerful, Ben. And, the, you know, and one of the reasons why we're before we turned on the camera, I said, Ben, you know, let's let's go over some of the life lessons that have been so important. And to me, this is one that um, I have. Ha you know, I've had a private jet. I was flying around doing the investment banking stuff, really, you know, probably the, you know, uh, the movie star kind of image of the outrageous job, making good seven figures, all that, and hating my life. <laughs> thing. And I was with, you know, I mean, great people, but I was in the wrong thing for me. And, you know, I really, I was a pilot in the Navy. I didn't care that much about private jet and the whole deal. And, and then really, you know, and I think of it as very intentional, Ben, that I, you know, I decided I was fortunate. I had a, a pretty big liquidity event or relative, I'm in Silicon Valley. So a small liquidity event, but it was that uh, I didn't have to work anymore. And what happened then is I decided that I loved entrepreneurship and I wanted to design a business on purpose. And I'll tell you, I've never been happier, but one of the other things I learned along the way that you're really big on and you, you touched on it, I wanna go a little further is, you know, this whole part of the ritual. Um, I, ha I don't have, I know you do morning and evening. I only have a morning one, but I mean, having that routine and, you know, and uh, everybody that knows me, you know, this is my business outfit, a black polo shirt. I, you know, I get asked all the time, do I have more than one? I, yeah, I have about, you know, 20 of them, but I, I'm a big believer in Steve Jobs. You know, we also have a mutual friend, Dean Jackson, who wears the same stuff. And I'm I kind of like, let's get rid of all the, the, the easy things to get rid of and then let's do really important work. But Ben, touch on the, the ritual stuff, because this has been you know, a big thing for you and you know, for a lot of successful fellow entrepreneurs we both know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just one quick thought, just to add to what you were saying is, is there's a really famous quote, you know, it's in the, the book, The One Thing, but also a lot of people use it. And basically it's what one decision can you make that would make all other decisions either easier or irrelevant. And that's what we're talking about here is, is you make one choice that eliminates all the other ones. Um, that those are the best types of decisions. Just as a quick example, like, you know, if if I don't want to eat sugar, then I shouldn't put sugar in my house because if it's in my house, then I have to consciously think about it and I have to make a lot of decisions every moment. Like, am I going to eat those pop tarts? Like, 
You know, if you just don't uh, put it in the house. Then I'm with you on that one because I do do that because I am one of those. You know, many of us, particularly sugar. I love sugar. Well, you know, what? Of sugar, course. Does, sugar doesn't do good things for me. So, you know, it's it's really making those conscious decisions that and having alternative things that are good for you. It's amazing what happens. But let's let's go to the yeah. rituals. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, there's a lot of psychology research. So basically, one of the fundamentals of why morning and evening routines are so important is because who you are is a product of what you do. So basically, most people think that it's your personality that shapes who, you, you know, the choices you make, but actually it's the choices you make that shape who you are. Uh, and that's a concept in psychology called self-signaling. Basically, what it means is, is that the choices you make signal to yourself the type of person you are. So if you start waking up early, for example, you'll see yourself as an early riser. If you start getting small wins in the morning, something that Dan Sullivan recommends, you begin to have confidence. So there's a lot of research in psychology that says that confidence is actually an effect of success. It's not the cause of success. A lot of people think it's confident people who become successful. It's actually successful people who are confident because they made the right decisions. And so when you start doing things first, like first things first in the morning, you actually wake up when you said you would wake up, you know, because confidence is another word for self-trust. So if you actually wake up when you said you would and you start putting first things first, you have an actual routine where you fill up your cup, whether that be reading good books, writing in your journal, um, exercising, doing creative projects. Um, by putting first things first, you actually start having more confidence, which then translates to the rest of your day. Um, and so basically most, you know, so just, just to, on the outset, most people think that confidence and motivation are the causes of success when actually they're the byproducts, you know, motivation. So there's a Harvard psychologist, his name is, I think, Russell Brunner, but he says it's a lot easier to act your way into feeling than to feel your way into acting. So rather than waiting for motivation to kick in so that then you can do the right behavior, if you just wake up and do the right thing first, you'll be confident, you'll be motivated, you'll have inspiration, and you'll become the person you want to be. So that's that's kind of the fundamentals of why a morning routine is so important. Um, but on kind of like a behavioral level, we live in a very addicting environment. As I've already talked about before, about 80% of people between the ages of 16 and 60 look at their smartphone within the first 10 minutes of their day. And what that does is it triggers them into a reactive state where then they're basically their body and their subconscious mind take over and they're not living proactively. They're not living on purpose and they're not living by design. You know, they just go through a subconscious loop and then their day is pretty much a repeat of what they did yesterday. So one of the core reasons for having a morning routine is, is giving yourself space to you know, think about, meditate, ponder. I would recommend writing in your journal in an affirmative way the goals you're trying to pursue. Think about the future you want and then start to, you know, there's a really, really cool and helpful strategy when you're kind of visualizing or writing about the goals you want to pursue. And that's, you know, there's a lot of research that basically says visualization isn't enough. You actually have to experience the emotions that you expect to experience when you achieve a certain goal. So if you're thinking about, who you want to be or a goal that you want to achieve and you're spending time first thing in the morning really thinking about and even writing down like for example in an affirmative way i will achieve x you know by this date you know i'll i'll, I'll make 10 million dollars or something by this date you want to actually visualize what that would look like and then you want to feel what it would actually feel like to achieve that goal and then you want to actually experience gratitude in the here and now as if you had already achieved it. Because gratitude, there's so much research about how gratitude changes your brain, but 
basically what you're doing is, is you're pulling your future into your present and you're experiencing the emotions of the present right here and now. Um, Dan Sullivan talks about how, you know, there's the gain versus the gap and how if you focus on the gap, which is like the distance between you and your goals, it makes you feel upset. <laughs> but if you focus on the gains you've made, then it allows you to like feel excited and confident, which then allows you to move forward. Well, this, this strategy actually allows you to focus on the gain while at the same time focusing on your future rather than just on your past, because you're focusing on the goals of your future, but you're actually experiencing gratitude as if you've already achieved them. And this is kind of what a lot of people, Tony Robbins and others call like a state of resolve or inner knowing. This is basically where you put yourself in a position where you know you're gonna achieve your future goals. I call this a peak state, but this is the smartest thing you should do in the morning. Like basically you wake up first thing in the morning, rather than being reactive to your environment, you give yourself space. And I would actually recommend you go to a pretty pretty serene environment. You know, it doesn't have to be like you have to go to the temple. I mean, for me, honestly, a lot of the times it's just my car, but I'm intentional about the fact that my environment influences me. So I, I go to a quiet place and I pull out my journal and I visualize and I think about the future I want to have. And I think about the emotional state I want to live in and then I, I live out that state. And that's, that's a concept called be, do, have. Basically, you need to be a certain person and you need to decide who that person is and then you need to act as that person would act and you'll have what you want. So if it's, you know, you want to be a billionaire, well, what would that actually feel like? And then how would that person act on a daily basis? How would that person relate? And that's, that is what should shape your behavior every day. And if you're acting from that perspective, then you're not gonna repeat your past. Um, so that's that's kind of the core reason why you should have a morning routine is, is to put yourself into the mental and emotional place of your future rather than your past. Unfortunately for most people, because they're, you know, triggered by their environment and they're allowing, you know, dopamine and all sorts of things to fuel their decisions, they're, you know, they're just going forward as if they're basically just repeating yesterday over and over and over again. So that's, that's kind of a lot of the concept of between morning routines. Yeah, I just want to touch on it, Ben, too, because you know, my experience, I, I do this every morning and I have a step by step and time and so on. And uh, and I got to tell you, and, and, and I've, I have the, uh, you know, every extra meditation, a little breakfast thing, and then the, uh, you know, kind of a uh, review what I want to accomplish. And I have five business goals uh, that I focus on and three personal ones. And, you know, there's no right number on content, content. And then I do do a journal, probably not as thick a journal as you do, but a journal nonetheless. And that's made a huge difference uh, because I'm starting every day focused on, you know, the big picture. And, and I and I am extremely, you know, the gratitude is just amazing. You know, and, and I do love the concept from Dan Sullivan that mind the gap uh, is so powerful because, you know, we all want to be, you know, you know, there was a time in my life, if I ever made 50000 a year of net income, you know, life would be grand. You know, well, the number's gone up, you know, the goals and things change. And sometimes, you know, you, you look and you, you know, something doesn't work out or fails even. And, and you can get really disappointed in yourself. But if you look at the progress you've made, uh, you know, it's just instead of looking to what the ideal outcome was, you look where you started and where you ended up. Uh, there's so much progress made. But you know, Ben, one of the things I'd like to do, you, you've done a phenomenal job on culture. And we've got a mutual friend, uh, Hugh, over at the uh, 
I forgot the name of his company now. Uh, Gap, what is it? Uh, Gapping Void. And I'm going to put up on the screen. Why don't you describe what is, you know, this? I mean, type thing. And then we'll dive into a couple of them with the time remaining that are some great life lessons. Absolutely. So this is a culture wall. Right now you're just looking at 20 images, but these images um, basically portray values that I have. And you know, Gaping Void is a culture design company. I actually learned about them from Joe Polish. You know, you'll see pictures of Joe's values and beliefs and stuff all over Genius Network. Dan Sullivan has, um, you know, his own culture wall. And I, I love their work and uh, I'm lucky enough that they like my work. And so they actually made me that culture wall. I don't know. Do you have one yet? I, you know, I don't. And I, matter of fact, uh, uh, Jason and I, I just did a podcast with Jason a couple of weeks ago. So uh, he offered to do it as well. And uh, I've gone, you know, where would I put it? You know, and, uh, my wife's a big, I'm my global headquarters of the three businesses I have in my pool house. And I, I go, I, I don't know, Jason, if I can put it up. But I'm thinking really digitally, I got all kinds of monitors all over the place. I love just showing what you know, you're showing here. I mean, this is, this is really impressive to be able to capture all those values that are important to you and look and wow. And I mean, so, and I, and I love the way it looks at Joe's office as well. Yeah, if you actually scroll down a little bit on that uh, article, people can kind of get a scale of the size they are. There's a picture of my kids holding it. Like, you know, you don't have to scroll okay. down too far on the article. Like, oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. So that's just kind of a scale of like the size they are. They actually, um, you know, they're a foot by a foot and they stick out like an inch, you know, and they're just, they're really cool. Um, you know, they're basically yeah, the kids they, like them too. It looks like, yeah, I actually have mine in my house. <laughs> I work at home, so I've got my huge culture wall at my house, so my kids can be reminded of these things all day. But you can scroll back up. Um, so I'll, you know, I'll share just a couple concepts from this wall. You know, if you'll pull that up, and yeah, um, let me grab it here. There we go. Perfect. Um, so I'm going to start with. Um, there's basically two, because I already went over, you know, the fact that success precedes confidence, behavior drives motivation, and, and, and also behavior is what shapes personality. There's a concept on there, and it's on the left side, second one down. It says nothing happens until after the ships are burned. This is obviously a very sure. entrepreneurial concept. And a lot of entrepreneurs will understand this, that you have to actually make a commitment first, and then all the insights kick in. Actually, Dan Sullivan, he talks a lot about how when you write a check, for example, like when you invest in yourself, then all of a sudden the motivation and the insights and stuff come in. And during my PhD in organizational psychology, and I know that everyone listening to this podcast is already a highly successful entrepreneur, but I studied the difference between wannabe entrepreneurs versus you know successful entrepreneurs. And one of the things that was the initial starting point of what led someone to begin identifying themselves as an entrepreneur. Because if you're a wannabe at something, you don't actually see yourself as that thing yet. You're like, that's something I want to be. But if you are an entrepreneur, you say, that's me. So what was it that actually led to that re-identification? Um, and really, for most people, it was actually making financial investments in their goal. Once a person started making financial investments, a few things happened. You know, From an economic standpoint, there's a concept called sunk cost bias. So once you become invested in something, you become heavily committed to it. Um, so a lot of people would say, that Elon Musk is, you know, he's got this really amazing why, you know, he's got this motivation 
and that's what's leading him to, to you know sink all of his money into his companies and like make the strides he's making my argument would be actually that his motivation is because of the fact that he sunk all of his money into it you know he he invested himself heavily and i think that that's you know and he's invested himself over and over and that's why his motivation is so high and so you know that 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 concept is just awesome for me like you know when you start investing money in your goals and the more you invest the more committed you become there's another idea and this is subconscious but dr david hawkins he wrote a book called letting go it's a really good book he also wrote a book called power versus force but he talks a lot about how your unconscious mind will only allow you to have what you believe you deserve so if you look at your success right now if you look at your environment if you look at you know your partnerships your collaborations if you look at your relationships they are all a product of what you unconsciously believe you deserve and tony robbins would put it this way he would say you get in life what you're willing to tolerate so if you tolerate you know bad health that's what you're going to have <laughs> like if you tolerate you know not impacting millions of people that's what you have like basically you have in life what you're willing to tolerate you you're okay with it so how do you actually shift your subconscious mind um well, you make bold, powerful decisions because your subconscious is heavily connected with your memory and your memory is attached to your emotions. And so if you want to actually shift your subconscious, you have to shift your emotions by making bold decisions. And so when you make a powerful investment in yourself or in your business, uh, whether that be doing something like joining you know, a mastermind group or just investing in education and skills or investing in a collaboration, it basically shatters your subconscious belief system of what you can have. And it says, oh, wow, I actually know and believe I can be and do and deserve more. So that is that concept is, is that nothing happens until after the ships are burned. Well, and I think it's so important as entrepreneurs, particularly successful ones, because we don't have to burn the ships. You know, you're at a pretty comfortable spot typically and you know if you want to accomplish something though you got to do it i mean this is one of the reasons i spent a little over a hundred thousand a year on mastermind groups when i start a project you know uh i i'm a you know my background's in economic econometrics and you know some costs you're supposed to ignore but i'm a, I'm a person too so you you end up you know having that investment you're going to really work and so much of this is persistence you know i want to finish up on one more ben and bring up the culture wall wall and i'm going to go to the one that you know really there's so much that impresses me of what you're doing but i think the 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 better uh prolific than perfect is just such a powerful T tell because so many of us as entrepreneurs want to be perfect i mean we're working really hard doing everything we've got all kinds of resources we've got teams and everything else and you know what the heck are you doing telling us we should just be prolific i mean what does this mean well i'm going to actually connect this with the last one and this is something you and i already talked about but the more successful a person becomes the more actually conservative they become with their resources um like when you're first starting out when you're ambitious uh, you're willing to take more risks because you have less to lose. Um, from a psychological standpoint, basically what they say is, is that you have a, you know, an approach orientation. You're highly approach, you're on offense, not defense. What happens to a lot of people when they become successful is, is they shift to defense. They shift to an avoid orientation. Rather than seeking rewards, they seek to not experience risk. Uh, and in the book, Essentialism, Greg McEwen talks about how success is often the catalyst to failure. Basically what happens is you become successful and you, you, you lose your why. 
And so kind of connecting this to it's better to be prolific than perfect. I actually got that quote from Joe Polish, but you know, as a writer and as a creative, I've been very surprised by some of the articles that I've written that have gone viral. Like, so another quote is basically done is better than perfect, but you have to put out imperfect things, you know, and this is, you know, you know, very entrepreneurial, but Seth Godin, he once told me, I, I asked him a question about just where he gets his ideas and he says, plant a lot, harvest a few. You know, you put a lot of stuff out there and you, you know, in a lot of ways you don't know what's going to work. If you're, if you're so focused on creating the perfect product, you're never going to create it. And I have friends that are like that, you know, they've been working on their concept or their idea for like five years and they've never put it out and they keep iterating it, but they're not iterating it based on feedback. <laughs> they're just iterating it because well, they keep changing and learning. That, you know what I mean? That's so, well, and I think of, you know, just where you've gone, because I've watched you on a number of things here, Ben, that had you not put yourself out and your material out, you know, none of the stuff that's going on right now would happen. And and there's no way you had an Excel spreadsheet that, you know, or, you know a business plan that, had the plan all done that you're doing. None of us do, but if we don't let the market forces, you know, we don't ship it using uh, Seth, you know, if you don't get it out there, uh, nothing happens. Yeah, so there's a really, really cool idea in neuroscience that's related to this. And basically it's all about learning. So, you know, our brains are very hardwired to seek prediction. We, we wanna be able to predict the future. We wanna know that, you know, if I, if I do X, Y is gonna happen. And if, if you have what uh, neuroscientists call prediction error, that's when you learn something new. And so, you know, if a child, for example, touches a hot stove, they weren't expecting that. You know, they were not expecting that. That's why they did it. And when they touched it and it burned their hand, it totally sent an intense signal to the brain. That's called a memory and it's highly emotional. And that's what a prediction error is. And so if you do not, if, if you're not experiencing prediction errors, you're not actually learning. You're staying in your comfort zone. You're staying in your bubble. And so one of the reasons why it's super important to just create a lot of stuff is, is that you actually get that feedback from the environment. Those predictionaries, you realize, oh, that didn't work. Rather than just living in your bubble and thinking that what you're creating is relevant, it's not for the most part. You actually have to put it out there and you have to actually have your assumptions shattered over and over and over again. And that's actually how you learn. The reason people avoid that is because it's emotional. Uh, and that's another thing that Seth Godin said is, is that all art or all creativity is emotional. It's personal. You know, the most powerful businesses are, you know, tapping into something emotional, into humanity. The best re writing or art, you know, even if it's for the purpose of business, is still emotional. And if you're going to actually create something that's important, you know, you have to kind of feel the fear and do it anyways. You have to step out of the emotions that are keeping you blocked. And you just have to get, you have to get used to creating over and over again. And the challenge about doing that is, is that you can't predict the outcomes always. And that's, you know, so Dr. Ken Robinson, he has one of the most amazing TED Talks ever about how the public school system is killing children's creativity. But one of the things he said is that if you're not willing to fail or be wrong, you're never gonna create something original. And, and so basically, as a creative, as an entrepreneur, you have to step into the unpredictable. You have to do things that you can't fully predict are going to happen. You know, you can't fully predict the outcome and that's what freaks the brain out because the brain wants to be able to predict it. Uh, that's why entrepreneurship takes risk. Um, but, you know, there's, and this will be the last concept is it's just, there's so much cool research 
on in psychology about a concept called tolerance for ambiguity or tolerance for uncertainty. And it's essentially a requirement for successful entrepreneurs. You have to develop a tolerance for the unknown. That has to become your comfortable place is when you're experiencing the emotions of, I don't know fully what's going to happen, but I'm going to move forward. You know, and obviously you make calculated risks. It's not just, you know, throwing it all out there, but you need to regularly be experiencing prediction errors and that's how you learn. And that's how you then develop interesting connections and new ideas that then become very useful innovations. Yeah, this, I mean, I, yeah, I'm in Silicon Valley and it's, uh, I used to do, I worked with some of the venture, top tier venture capital. And, you know, nobody wants to talk to you and you have proof of concept. And proof, proof of concept is usually revenue. And the only way you get revenue is make a whole bunch of those mistakes along the way. If you don't get out there and, and you know, the most famous term I think in Silicon Valley is pivot, is that, you know, it's really just reorganizing. But I mean, you know, Ben, first of all, thank you for this. I, I, you know, there's so many insights and you and I could go on forever other than we got to also create some other things as well. And I, I do want to do another shout out of your book. Uh, this is a great book. You know, it's, uh, there's so many good insights and lessons learned. I want to recommend it to everyone. Uh, Willpower doesn't work. Discover the, you know, the hidden keys to success. But what I also really enjoyed, Ben, is it's well written. <laughs> so it's a very readable book uh, along the way because there's a lot of good business books that aren't well written, uh, but they're good enough insights that you'll force yourself. Also in the links, uh, I'll go ahead and have, uh, in case you want to be you know, like Joe, Dan, or Michael uh, Hyatt, uh, you know, order quantity, we'll put that link in there. And with that, I, Ben, I just want to thank you. Uh, you know, just great lessons and uh, keep up the good work. And for all of our audience, you know, AESNation.com will have the transcript, the show notes, all the links. Uh, anything, Ben, uh, as we're leaving here? No, man. Well, one last thing is this, you know, and this is just to tie it all together is, is that, you know, because we're all entrepreneurs listening to this, the best thing you can do for your psychology and also just for your success is, is to do something today that's unpredictable. You know what I mean? Don't just have today be a reflection of yesterday. Like do something today that you don't know exactly what the outcome is going to be. And that's that's where you'll start to create incredible stuff. Now, well said and you know, a little outside your comfort zone. It's amazing what what you can make happen. You know, your clients, your future clients, all those future collaborations and partners are counting on you. Don't let them down. Go out and make it happen. Wish well, you the predict best predictable is boring, right? Yeah, well, it's boring <laughs> and it's not very profitable either. So combination. <laughs> Let's go out and make a difference. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com.